so back how's it going lc how's how's the week treating you so far so far good but i mean it's only tuesday picked up a new pistol today so oh, any, good. Day you get, any day you get a new gun is a good day after a long talk about how more pistols is probably not the way to go pick right. up a new pistol what'd you get uh ruger max 9 subcompact okay what did this add to your uh tactical uh readiness it's just a more comfortable everyday carry. Okay. Did you have a subcompact before? I have a compact. This one's a subcompact. Okay. She so got more compact. Yeah, it's just it's better for like church. Yeah. Tie events because it's not so bulky. You keep it on your ankle or in your bra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Yep. Hide it in my panties. Speaking of, of bras, I, I found it interesting to learn this like not a lot of people know about your background but it was interesting to learn that lc stands for lactation consultant um, yes what can you tell us about your background and why did that label stick to you well i mean you know milk truck arrived so when milk truck arrived you gotta you know i, I had to sample the goods before the kids could have it that's right yeah nice nice you you promised me last week that you were going to tell me about your name and then you never did so i figured i'm just gonna make up shit until you t tell me about it it's better. It adds to the lore. And also, speaking of lore, I want to point out after our last episode, I called out that SD Fritch for not helping my friend out. Yes. He finally got up off his ass and helped him with his equipment. And that's the power of the show, LC. When you have a well-known platform, people don't fuck with us. Do not fuck with us, SD Fritch. <laughs> Motherfucker. Got publicly called out. Yeah. A whole 210 people heard you call him out. And... I got to call myself out because I think I was wrong about the whole real estate argument. Well, not the whole thing, but part of it. I was reading about it. And I think that when you sell your house and you get a capital gain, you're, there's actually an exemption. As long as you've been in your house for two of the last five years, if you're single, you get up to $250,000 allowed tax-free in, in a gain. And if you're married, you get up to $500,000. So actually, I'm surprised that it's that lenient, but, but it appears that that's the case. Wow. So I still don't like the taxes, but it's not as bad as I thought. I mean, if you could make 250K profit every three years and it'd be tax-free. Yep. Might not make a bad living. See, this is only in your primary residence. You have to buy another house. So it's kind of like musical chairs. Not good if you have kids. Yeah. And then the joint filing uh, tax benefit is an argument for, for gay marriage actually being more of a financial relationship than... than a religious one in this case. I mean, well, it's definitely not a religious one. Yeah. But it's it, important it's if, if you want the same tax rate, it's important. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can claim whatever you like, but Leviticus 2013 specifically says if two men lay together, they should be killed. So if they're just laying down? If you lay with a man, I believe it says uh, if a man lays with a man the way he would lay with a woman, they have committed an abomination and should be put to death. Uh, Blood will be upon them. 
I believe it's exactly how it's written. It's hard to lay with a man the way you'd lay with a woman, though. I mean, it doesn't anatomically. Careful what you say, Frito. <laughs> Listen, her back pussy is just as good as a front pussy, okay? I'm going to have to think about it. I'm going to get back to you next week on this. I'm going to ponder on this. So, don't be, so, a, don't be hmm? a bigot and discriminate against their hatchet boom. Shit. Okay. So I, I I tweeted that clip about Joe Rogan. Did you see it when he was talking to Chappelle? Yeah, they were talking about uh, choosing a, a political party. Did they talk about homelessness too. Yeah, that that was part of it. They couldn't figure out how how to combat homelessness rather than like not make everybody poor. The gist of that little clip was they were both. I think they were both high. And they were talking in like a very deep way about how it would be hard to make political progress while there's such like bipartisanism going on and two sides just can't see eye to eye. And they're both kind of like blown away by that. And they just kind of like dropped it at that. And it sounded like really smart to realize that they didn't really say anything. Yeah, um, well, I mean, that's Joe Rogan's MO. Everybody knows that the left and the right hate each other. I was thinking about it and it, it seems difficult to bridge the gap between the conservatives and the liberals in that it's hard to even know like what's conservative and what's liberal anymore there aren't any real not in the mainstream that are actually like elected officials there's no fucking real conservatives left nobody actually trying to conserve anything well even the people that claim to be conservatives that aren't necessarily politicians that are just in like the media space and then they turn around and like you know, support something like PragerU that has a gay straight alliance for your middle school page on their website. You yeah. can't call yourself a fucking conservative and then talk about how gay marriage is normal. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're focused on things like the gay stuff and abortion stuff. And I think the gun stuff is important. But I think just big picture, when I was younger, I thought that left wing Democrats were promoting power of the individual. And, and the right was a party for promoting, like, power of the establishment. The right wanted stronger corporations. And I, I think they wanted a stronger military. And it just seemed like they were the establishment where the Democrats were trying to fight for individual freedom. Somehow it's flipped over the years where people are actually arguing for opposite things. So it's hard to know who really wants what anymore. Well, well you know that once upon a time, the Republicans were the Democrats and the Democrats were the Republicans. So what's, what's um, so conservative about wanting what the other party used to want? No, no, no. It's what they used to call themselves. Explain. Like the, the Republican Party used to be called the Democratic Party. What? Really? Early, yeah, early, 19, early 1900s, I believe. Like, if you look back in actual historically accurate history books... Uh -huh. The Democrats were the ones that wanted to keep slavery. All this stuff that they expound. But to get back to what you said before I forget, because my brain is essentially an Etch-a-Sketch, the way I was brought up to understand it was conservatives want smaller government, liberals want big government. Liberals want bigger government, more government control. Conservatives want smaller government, less government involvement in your life uh, i was raised in a very conservative household well my dad was very conservative my mother was always a raging liberal 
that sounds right for now it's, it seems like the left wants the government to control more and more and the right's trying to i don't know maintain individual powers i mean i think they're trying to posture but, like they are right but that's not how i framed it when i was younger yeah um, well i mean liberalism is has also changed a lot in the last 50 years i think it's important you know, to realize i mean most people probably don't i know you do but it's important to realize that liberals are kind of the opposite of libertarians and that's confusing just in itself i don't know libertarians are kind of like bleeding heart liberals really isn't a libertarian somebody that wants to promote individual freedom Liber uh, libertarians like, and whatnot <laughs> libertarians the cucked view of like i don't really care what you do behind closed doors like we talked uh -oh. about last week well there's a difference between moral conservatism and wanting to maintain freedom like those those are almost like two different things but we lump them together in the same thing yeah but i think your morals are your basis of everything else like everything stems from your the your personal moral code all decisions you make everywhere you lean in life is based on what morals you have your morals and values i posted something on twitter the other day that was a quote that was like enforced morality lacks the power we don't worry i'm gonna edit out the dull silences <laughs> enforced morality lacks the power that comes to us when we choose to live a spiritual life it was a quote from the narcotics anonymous book but outside of that context i think that holds true and you know people like to argue oh there's no such thing as enforced morality well law is at its base if you strip law down to the basis of how it came to be, law was essentially enforced morality. Everybody agreed upon a set of morals and values. Laws were put in place to enforce those morals and values. There's Am a I wrong history of law getting the morals wrong. And, I mean, you and I differ on this a little bit, too. I, I, I think that morals is a little more individual than you do. But one thing we can agree on is the current administration is not doing a great job for freedom, which is, you know, freedom and private property, which is stuff I'm more passionate about and, and the, the moral stuff. The current administration is not doing a great job with that either. I, I think we, you and I can agree on that. Yeah, I mean, I can't remember an administration not in my lifetime that has done a good job with morals. I can't remember an administration in my lifetime that has ever happened that at the end of said administration there were less less invasive laws than there were when it started. I don't... Right. No politician has ever gotten elected, gotten into office, and been like, okay, we're going to strip away uh, the powers of the ATF. We're going to, uh, you know, limit what how much the government can look into your life. None of that has ever fucking happened. And it probably won't ever happen, sadly, at the federal level, unless you have a serious push... I think I think you will see states secede before you see enough states grouped together to get the federal government to go in the right direction. Or at least the threat of I've seen people argue this, but we haven't had one happen to you yet, and you just wonder where the line is when that would happen. And the last time somebody tried it, they didn't let them do it. What was the last one to try it? Well, when the South tried to secede, essentially. Yeah, but I mean, 
there are a lot of states that were their own countries before they were before or during them being a part of the United States. Yeah. The Empire seems Texas, to be growing Vermont. one way. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but again, but, but I, it's but just kind you, of as like this thought experiment, though. Like if we looked at today's Biden government, I just want to go through some, some separate characteristics and kind of just hit on them and see what we think about this. Like, would we consider the Biden government to be authoritarian? Oh, yeah. I think so, too. I think they're pushing we a lot of... about this. I don't think they're fascists. Well, that's where I'm going. Come on, dude. You're, you're ruining the punchline. But um, would they be nationalist? Absolutely not. I think it's like a prerequisite. If you want to be a liberal today, you have to absolutely abhor everything that the United States was founded on. Yeah. You have to hate this country with a passion. You have to. It's like kind of like the self-deprecating whites that we see today. Mm hmm. And like right. a characteristic of fascism is nationalism. So I agree with you on that. Extreme point. nationalism. Yeah, there is yeah. no other. Fascism brought to its to its logical conclusion is you do not ever speak against the state. Right? We saw it in Nazi Germany with the fatherland. We saw it in uh, Mussolini's Italy. There is one. You respect hmm. the country. You respect the power of the country. And Unless you're saying something you impactful now, though. Like, if you're Assange, they won't let you speak against the state. Well, yeah, you can't speak against the United States government. But you also can't say that the United States is a great country. The greatest country in the world. Yeah. Right? That was that was Trump's big line. Yeah. Greatest country in the world. You can't say that shit now. Not that it was true when he said it. Because it wasn't. So but... virtue signaling <clears throat> is one thing. But then when you say something really impactful, it changes things. They'll crack down on that in terms of protecting the state. Another feature of fascism, they tend to have a dictator, one ruler. How do we feel about that here? You see more leaning in that direction than you have in the past, as far as like presidents exercising their ability to veto bills and exercising their ability to push things through as law without them going through the proper channels. Yeah. But I, don't, I still don't think you see it to a fascist point. I would agree with you on the surface. And I think that like our notion of checks and balances really isn't working very well. But at the same time, I, I think that there's probably a lot of leaders pulling the strings. So in that way, it's kind of not fascism on the surface, right? No, if anything, we're more of a, a communist country than, than a fascist country. Okay. Communist with the concept that the government owns means of production and whatnot or yeah, socialist in the, that they take value and redistribute it probably somewhere in the middle like marxism yeah so marxism it's not pure is, socialism because uh, again I, i've had this debate with my younger brother who is an extremely frustrating human being to have a debate with because he's you know in his 20s and he graduated college with a bachelor's degree in in uh, philosophy so you can imagine that's like driving nails into your fucking tear ducts to try to like debate with a person like that. Well, I'm not debating. I just want to make a point. At some, but um, you no, know, I I just think that <clears throat> when you talk about forms of government like that, that on they're the the type of government that looks really good on paper, kind of like we were talking about last week. It, it, the ideas work great if you can assume with near certainty that every player involved is going to play by the rules. 
let's just say on the surface, we don't have communism in that the government generally doesn't own the means of production. It's owned by private entities like the Black Rocks out there, right? So yeah, in but that is way, BlackRock really a private entity? You don't know that. Well, that's where I'm going with this, is that we're not checking the fascism boxes because so far we're not very nationalist. There's uh, perhaps uh, more than one ruler. Maybe it's not full-on, quote, communism because the government doesn't own the means of production on the surface, right? So, so it's not like obviously like fascism. However... We really, in my opinion, I think we have more of a plutocracy where the elite are kind of pulling the strings and the elite are really the rulers. Yeah, but so, that's what we've seen play out with communism every yeah, but, time it's been attempted. Okay, which is communism. So I guess I'm I'm calling it communism in the definition of what we've seen play out in any country that has had a communist government. Yes, but but my, my whole point of this is that fascism is considered like a far-right governance and communism's maybe far left supposedly but they're pretty similar and if we look at our leadership from the standpoint of like if we frame it as a plutocracy with rule by the financial elite then it's really hard to say stand up to the big corporations there's a lot of censorship people aren't really able to really uh, expose them very much i, I you know I, I think that we are authoritative you know, uh, in terms of just controlling people, I'm not. I'm not sure that our far left government is that much different in principle from the far right, where where fascism is defined as. If you look at it from a framing of rule by the financial elite as opposed to a single person, we have militarism. That's another uh, characteristic of fascism. We have a huge military, right? We forcibly suppress opposition internally, externally. Another fascism characteristic is we have a natural social hierarchy, right? The financial elite, the Cantillon effect is in you know, full swing. We're discouraging individual interests for perceived good of the nation and, and race. That, that's a big theme right now. Yeah, but I don't know if fascism, if, if race is necessarily a pillar of fascism. What I it read did, it was... It did particularly in like Nazi Germany, but what did it play a huge role in Mussolini's Italy? Yeah. But I think, I think most people look at this on the surface and say, well, the far right is the opposite end of the spectrum as the far left. I mean, if you really want to get into the fascism thing too, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know the right way to say this. If you look at all the things that led up to the rise of fascism in Germany, mm -hmm. it, almost makes sense it's a it, it can easily become a viable argument of a product of the environment right because germany lost world war one germany was completely destroyed by the amount of money that they were expected to pay back after world war one and it effectively took a country that had been destroyed from war and made it look like, you know, it made the Great Depression in America look like a vacation. Everybody knows that, you know, their money got printed into oblivion. You know, the amount of money that they had to pay back 
was insane. You had France invading Germany because Germany couldn't pay their bills. And you had, you know, Berlin was the world epicenter of degeneracy and sexual immorality. So you, you know, all these things came together and colluded. It was inevitable that either a party or a single person was going to come and say, fuck this. We don't want to do this. We want to make our country great again, right? Like we want industry that helps our country. We want to do these things to make our country great. And it's, it so happened to play itself out in Adolf Hitler. But what if the people who fancy themselves to be right side conservatives, they don't like what's going on. They're looking at everything. They're like, well, we just got to pull all these people farther right and then things will get better. But what if a lot of the problems are already to the right of where they are? Expound on that. Not sure I understand what you're saying. Uh, well, I'm saying that we have a lot of components of fascism in our current governance. People on the right don't like the governance and they're saying, well, we just got to vote more to the right and then we'll be okay. But I think a lot of the problems that people don't like are actually even more on the right than they Can are. Can you give me some examples of, of what you're talking about, the things that are more on the right of where they're? Sure. Like we have a huge ass military that we pay for. We, I don't know if that's a right wing thing though. Well, it's, it's it's a component of fascism, which is defined as a extreme right thing. We are pretty authoritarian. We're, we're discouraging individual interests for the good of the nation and especially race. For the listeners at home, Elsie got a phone call in the middle of my awesome argument, so I'll just wait. Sorry. Are you back? Yeah. That's gonna play really well. <laughs> so you were asking about how I would fancy considering anything like right wing here and we've got like strong authoritarian rulers we got a very strong again rule. I don't think that's right wing well it's part of the definition of fascism right again oh I agree that's part of the definition of fascism but which is a right wing right it is not a right wing thing it has been deemed a right wing thing by the the left okay Oh, extreme right is fascism. No. Yeah. No. Extreme right believes in small government and less government in your life. That is the polar opposite of what fascism. Again, we thought we, we this is becoming yeah. a reoccurring theme of what words actually mean. Absolutely. So that's why we should focus more on just issues and, and freedom more than labels. I think a lot of people argue about labels a lot. And I'm just, I'm just trying to make a point that labels are confusing. Very. Right now, when you look up the left versus the right, the left supposedly is focused on community and social responsibility, which I think is an attack vector in a lot of cases, right? And, All cases. And the right is, based, is focused on individual rights and justice. I think even just those concepts are confusing because... I mean, you could argue that you can't have community and social responsibility without individual rights and justice. Like for me, I feel like I'm less safe. Like the more freedoms and wealth you strip away from other people, the less safe I am. Yeah. And I think you see this played out a lot in states that are uh, constitutional carry states. Mm -hmm. Right. You have constitutional carry states where gun crime is almost non-existent. Sure. Uh, along with a lot of other crime is almost non-existent. Uh, and then you have places like Chicago 
that have the strictest gun laws in the country and Memorial Day weekend, 54 people were shot and a dozen died. Yeah, you sent me that article. So they're saying we're, we're taking away your freedom and rights to protect you, but you're actually making people less safe. So I was having this conversation with somebody today uh -huh. and I grew up. How do I say this? I mean, I've said it on the podcast before. So I grew up with family members who were part of, uh, you know, quote unquote, outlaw biker gangs. <laughs> and I was never in the presence of any of those guys who were like, hey, I should really uh, shoot this guy. But, oh, wait a minute. Shooting somebody's illegal. I can't do that. That never has ever fucking happened ever in the history of ever. Right. So, so just these labels of I want social responsibility versus I want justice. They're presented as if they're opposites, but they're kind of the same thing. People generally should want both of those things, but you can't have both of those things without individual freedom. And you can't have those things without people generally doing well. Yeah, I mean, so, I, guess, I think that's the complicated way of saying when you have common sense laws like constitutional carry, it you know, it doesn't take a lot of intellectual muscle to get yourself to the conclusion that if the assumption is that every single person you come into contact with is carrying, you're probably not going to try to rob somebody in the middle of the day, or you're, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be a lot more mindful of the way you talk to somebody. You're going to be a lot more mindful of the way you treat other people because anybody could be armed at any time. You know, you see it, th there's all kinds of videos now going around of people doing stupid fucking social media challenges or whatever the fuck they call them. I saw one the other day of a kid walking around with a gas can full of water, dumping it on the hoods of people's car. I don't know if you saw this video. No, but I've seen stuff like it. And the, the kid walks up and dumps a five-gallon gas can full of water all over the hood of a guy's F-350. And the guy jumped out of the truck and drew a 1911. And the guy was like, oh, it's just water. He's like, it fucking better be water. Yeah. I mean, you see other ones where there's a bunch of kids that jump up and down on top of the car, damaging the car. That shit's not going to happen. If the guy in the car is open carrying an AR, people aren't going to be jumping on his hood like it's a fucking good idea. Yeah. But my point is they're not mutually exclusive stances. Like I want social justice and I want people to be responsible. And I, on the other hand, I want individual freedom and private property rights, like those are kind of all important and they're presented as if I want this and I want this and we're opposite views. And it's just not really not true. Supposedly the left wants decreased military spending, but you wouldn't know it based on what we spend on ours and based on what we spend on other militaries. You know, that's, that's also presented in a false way. The left wants less military spending as we send $150 billion to Ukraine. Right. So like the whole framing of like these left versus right arguments are even, are just kind of silly. Yeah, it's it's all semantics. Like none of it really exists. The the country is clearly controlled by the largest corporations, and a lot of people look at that and say, "Ooh, wow, ah, er, ah, come, you know, capitalism bad, ah." You know, when you have things like BlackRock that exists, but nobody knows who's on the board of BlackRock. So you just it's just it's just a panel of oligarchs. Is all it is. Right. Just with a different just label. The strong authoritarian leaders. Essentially. So yeah, getting it's, you're right. 
<laughs> but getting at some current events, you sent me a video that had a bunch of dildos in it, and I figured it was just you being you, but then it turned out you had a point. You, you want to talk about that? We can talk about it, but I don't want to beat the drum too much. I feel like everybody, it's almost as annoying as all of the pride shit that you see is all of the people banging the drum and saying, re pride shit, oh no, re. But this like, went beyond that. This this was a hospital, like promoting it in that they were giving out dildos at like a family. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was in Boston. So it's Boston Medical. Boston Medical. Boston Medical was giving out free sex toys to all ages and anyone after the Trans Resistance March for festivities held in Franklin Park. What do dildos have to do with trans rights? I think what you sent, I think your response to me was definitely the go-to excuse for why it's done. What did I say? I think you said something along the lines of like... I don't feel like I was saying something to you to try to make this better. <laughs> it was like something along the lines of like STD prevention or something. I didn't say that. I think you did. Was it you that said it? No. Who the hell said it to me? Oh, oh, it was in a different group chat. Yeah, something like STD prevention. I don't know how the fuck that leads to STD prevention. Yeah. Uh, you know, they fucking taught us to put condoms on bananas when I was in high school, and I think I wore one condom in my whole fucking life. So, a lot of good that does. I don't... I don't I'm not sure what that point was. <laughs> the point is, they, they, they claim that this education is supposed to, like, whatever the fuck it's supposed to do. All sex ed did for me in high school is make me want to have sex. It didn't like, it didn't teach me anything. The same thing as when they passed around, I don't know if you had the same thing, but they passed around like this post, it wasn't a poster, it was like a frame that had a bunch of little cutouts in it and it had all, a whole bunch of different drugs in the cutouts in the frame and they were all labeled. All that made me do was want to do drugs. That didn't, that, all that did is pique my curiosity. Wow, that looks cool. I wonder what that does. And then they went through the list and they were like, this is what it does to you. And I'm like, that fucking sounds great. Why are you teaching me this shit? You shouldn't be telling me this. This sounds awesome. You just, you just have an inert hatred of authority and you're going to do the opposite of what people tell you. Yeah, don't fucking tell me what to do. I don't like being told what to do. I was always the guy where I would go and like buy pills and they'd be like, listen, only take one. And I'd be like, listen, if one is good, then three is probably fucking great. That's sound logic. Always. Always. Yeah. Sex always. ed might make people want to have sex to a point, but I can tell you, like, extreme sex ed does not. Like, when I was in medical school, I did two months on the OB floors, and I had no sex drive for, like, three months <laughs> after the location. Just, it killed everything for me. It was awful. Um, I would imagine. But, okay, but, but for me, that story, the grossest part about that story was that that was coming from an entity that was subsidized by our dollars, right? It's not so much about the bad morals, whatever, but it's like we're paying for it. Is that how yeah, you're buying kids dildos? Do stuff like that. You are buying kids dildos. We're doing it, yeah. So, like, yeah. regardless of our stances on things like that, for me, the offensive thing is that if if you perceive something like that to be against your best interest. They're forcing you to pay for that thing against your interests. And there should be an aspect of freedom that allows you to not hurt yourself. It's almost like you have the right to remain silent. 
you have the right to not take an action that harms yourself. But when they take your money and they, they spend it on things you don't want, it's almost like they're forcing you against your own interests. And, and that part's for me. Well, isn't the, that most of what taxes are? Yeah, more, more, I can and, more tell though, more and more when it's becoming just more accepted yes. that they can drive their stances on, on you. Yeah, I mean, you see the same thing with all the money, like in the, what the hell is that bill that they passed that they called it something else, but it was really just like the Green New Deal with lipstick on. The Inflation Reduction Act? That. There yeah. was millions of dollars in there that were going to all kinds of like trans things and like sex ed things for kids and like, you know, all this wild shit that like most people would never fucking give money to. Yeah, you don't really have a choice unless you consider voting a choice, which is a stretch. Yeah, I think that's a large stretch. Yeah. I mean, name one politician that's ran on any kind of a platform, got into office and stood by what they ran on. I think Obama was pretty good. Oh my god, I will kill you through this screen. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of something to trigger. Don't you. make don't make me shoot my computer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Speaking of charlatans, do you know Dave Ramsey, that Christian radio host? Not sure if I do, but go ahead. He's like a Christian conservative guy, supposedly. Christian. Yeah. Big hard air quotes. Go ahead. Well, he's the popular face of this stuff. And and he had this talk show where he gave like a lot of supposedly good financial advice and he gained a reputation. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is the finance guy. The guy that tells you to live with no debt. Yeah. And now he's got a $150 million lawsuit from listeners that say that he defrauded a bunch of his listeners over a timeshare company that he promoted. Interesting. So he's kind of like a mainstream shitcoiner, right? He builds up his clout saying the right things for a while. And then he exits scams. And and we see it in Bitcoin. It's, just, it's interesting to see like it reflected in, in some of this mainstream stuff too. But basically he's like Breedlove. I mean, one of the truest things I ever heard is... When I got into recovery, uh, I remember like having like 90 days off of heroin and going to like all these meetings and like going to these huge conventions with, you know, I went to a convention in Maryland that had over 150,000 people at it. It was huge. And hearing these guys talk and they would say things from the podium that were like, wow, that's like super profound. And I remember getting in the car with somebody who had been there, you know, quite a bit longer than I had. And him being like, dude, there's nothing, anything you hear here, there's nothing new. It's all just recycled. You don't see anything new in the Bitcoin space. Totally as far as, as far as like grifters and, and like influencers are concerned, you don't see anything new in the Bitcoin space. It's all just repurposed shit from fiat work. What was that shit this week about Breedlove in a barrel? <laughs> there was some amazing memes that came I mean, out of that. And Hans was on fire this week. <laughs> with that. He did one where he stuffed him and American Hoddle and somebody else in the same barrel, and it was fucking amazing. He, like, made some fucking faggy post about, like, oh, I've been battling my inner demons. So, you know, I have to... Get my outer bully to tell my inner demons to just leave me alone. And then for some reason posted like a picture of him in a water barrel that he paid $2,000 for and a, another shirtless pic. 
<laughs> I think it was a long roundabout way of saying I'm not getting enough engagement and I feel um, like somebody hasn't told me that I'm pretty today. So I'm going to post some like pictures in my underwear because then people will tell me I'm pretty and it'll make me feel good. I mean, no lie. He was looking good. But it's still kind of sad. <sighs> yeah, it was hard to read. Yeah. Twitter's like, tough because there's there's a few people like like Anne Hans on top of that, but the majority of people are like, leave him alone. He's done more good. He's a net good. Like the net good argument is like always gross. Uh it's so cringe. Net good. They're a net positive for Bitcoin. It fucking defined for me what a net positive is. Like you talk about all the time. Um, what's his name? Um, uh, Andreas. Andreas. Everybody loves to say Andreas was a net positive. Yep. There were a lot of people that argued for a long time that Roger Ver was a net positive. Yeah. You know, uh, what's his name there? Uh, Anti-Fragile was a net positive. Like People have been are... in it for as long as Roger Ver, like when he was a thing. It, I, I, there can't be that many people that have been in it that long and have seen the same thing over and over again that would still argue he's a net positive. I, th I just think Breedlove's still kind of in the beginning of that cycle. Where yeah, absolutely. still noobs out there giving the benefit. Yeah, absolutely. But he's just garbage. Yeah. He's fucking garbage. Intel he's a very book smart individual. Rarely does that translate well uh, into a social setting and into understanding social cues. Uh, and I don't think he has any of that. And I think he comes at Bitcoin from a academic standpoint. There's a time and a place to have those discussions publicly on Twitter is probably not the fucking place to do it. Breedlove had a great article about how fiat is modern debt slavery. And he, he said it so eloquently that you know that he sees the big picture and, and just the importance of everything. And, and it's, it's not just economic. Like he sees the movement. It's, it's those people like him and Andreas that saw it. Because Andreas said a lot of things like that too. The people that see how important it is and then they pretend that they don't that's the most disingenuous thing like the people that see it and then unsee it those are the people i don't believe yeah but i mean he's back to trying to like reassure people that he can see it he doubled down and tripled down on fighting yeah bitcoin maxis and then went radio silent for a while and then came back and was like listen i fucked up Mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. But then the problem is one of my mentors used to say or would say his audio doesn't match his video. So like what he does doesn't reflect the stance that he says he has. Yeah. Right. He still finds himself on podcasts and inviting people onto his podcast that are fucking shit pointers. Yep. So you can't try to take this stance that hey i was wrong and you're right it's bitcoin only and then throw yourself into the mix with these quote-unquote intellectuals that are anti-bitcoin there's so few maxis there's so few people that are really in it for freedom and there's many more noobs and the influencers are all just part of this big circle jerk that promote each other that the people that are going to say something already said something basically yeah, and they know that, like, as much as we yell and scream about it, that they're still going to fleece the noobs. Yep. So when you the know? next run comes, 
without talking price, I'm thinking a couple of years from now, but the shit coins are going to run rampant. There's going to be some new recycled shit coin scam. Well, many of them, right? And it's going to be... Uh, I don't know. I think you're going to... What do you think? I'll say this. Ethereum was named in the SEC filing against Binance and against Coinbase. Yeah. If Ethereum goes away, or if Ethereum can't be listed on public exchanges, that is going to put a huge... Not only was Ethereum mentioned, but Ethereum and Solana were mentioned. If those two go out of the public eye, yeah, you're going to see a huge drop in shitcoining, at least for a little while. Here's because the thing. that was, those are the heartbeat of all of these shitcoins. Yeah. I'm going to call this, though. They, they're not going to kill shitcoining because shitcoining is the biggest weapon they have to keep Bitcoin from becoming as big as it ought to be. I don't and, think they'll kill shitcoining, but you're going to see well, people are going to be a lot more weary. Well, well, e Ethereum can be changed. Like, we know that. That's that's why Ethereum is kind of worthless. It can be changed. We're either going to see them crack down on it, quote, and then it gets changed to be more socially responsible and in line with what the government wants. And they'll promote well, it that obviously way. obviously going to be what it is. Yeah. Or, or let's say Ethereum goes away, which I don't think it will. They're going to replace it with something else. It's like the government-friendly crypto blockchain. And then they're going to strip all of the freedom, the quote unquote freedom. They're going to strip the ability of altcoins or shit coins to market themselves as freedom. Yep. But the next shit coin fervor is going to be over. It's going to be government supported. It's, it's going to be the one that that's socially responsible enough for the government to promote. And it'll be like, this one's better because it's, it's the government's not going to kill this one. It's going to be the next attack. I don't know. I don't think the government's there yet. I don't think they're ready to give up the uh, money printer. I, I don't think that they believe that they can't stop Bitcoin. I don't think they believe that they can't stop all of these other shit coins. I think they still fully believe that anytime they feel like it, they can just flex and it all goes away. Yeah. Um, There'll come a time where they're going to realize that it's a snowball effect and you can't stop what's been started. When they realize that and admit it to themselves, uh, whether publicly or behind closed doors, then you'll see a push for something that's more in line with government incentives. But I don't think you're going to see it for a while. We're going to have to be deep into hyperinflation before you see that. I had a story pop up in my timeline about this lady was complaining that you're just a number at work and and she gave her two weeks notice and in a few minutes they like locked her out of her laptop and she was complaining that she'd been working there for 10 years how dare you lock me out of my laptop you're not treating me as a as a valued employee even though she just quit her job and i was i was reading that story i was like well of course they're gonna lock you out of your laptop you just you just quit you're you're like a liability right now yeah damage control yeah but this is the kind of things that like people complain about now yeah, I think the word rights has become really conflated. And people just yell the word, it's my right. It's my right to have access to my company laptop after I quit the job. Yeah, it's my right. It's a it's a right. They're not rights. <laughs> They're what you want. Just because you want something doesn't make it a right that's being taken away from you. Unfortunately, that's not the way the world works. You don't have a right 
to absolutely everything in the universe and then slowly, you know, oh, things are being taken away. So my rights are being stripped away from me. That's unfortunately, that's not how it works. We don't live in a country, quote unquote, if that that concept couldn't even exist. But we don't live in a country that doesn't have a government or laws. So did you see this story that Washington State's accepting refugee cancer patients from British Columbia? Because the socialized medicine can't treat the cancer patients in a timely fashion. I did not. But I can tell you that I believe more and more every day that what you see in Canada is a glimpse two to five years into the future of what's going to happen again. Yeah. I think a lot of like Middle Eastern countries probably aren't that too far ahead of where we are in a lot of ways. I think the a lot of the Middle Eastern countries are way better off than where we are. All you have to do is right now. Right now, you can open up your phone and open up Twitter and go to Mercedes-Benz of the United Arab mm. countries and tell me what their company logo looks like. And then go to their regular page and tell me what that company logo looks like. But a lot of people in America think that greedy insurance companies are the problem and we need centralized health care to solve the, the greed problem. But you're going to end up in like a Canadian system because the government doesn't do a good job. No, what Just solves the problem? Problems. What solves the problem is completely privatized medicine. Completely making it free market. This is my hot take. I think so too. That 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 was in my medicine argument. I, I think we need more free market, not less. But most people think that the answer is we need the government to have more control over it and centralize it more. Yeah, which is a brain dead viewpoint that comes from somebody who probably hasn't been in an emergency room in 10 15 years i went to the emergency room with my wife a couple of weeks ago and we were there for seven and a half hours seven and a half hours yeah that that's, might be about average now really that's fucking mind-boggling i don't see how that's any better than what they have in canada I when you have it. regulatory modes that allow middlemen to to thrive and suck value out of the whole thing and, and reduce competition, you end up with situations like that. Yeah. I think what, what wins is where we like what we do for a doctor now, right? Like our, our church has a clinic in it and the doctor that runs that clinic was in charge of one of the local emergency rooms for 25 years. And he left during COVID and then decided that he still wanted to practice medicine, but he wanted to do it. He wanted to basically fix everything that he saw wrong in the medical system. So he opened up this clinic and basically the way it works is a family of four is, I think it's $275 or $300 a month for a family of four. And they like, I've never experienced what we experienced there. Like my, we signed up uh, right around the time my wife got sick. You go in for an appointment and they like want to know you by name and they call to check up on you. And, you know, the, the nurses there text my wife to check in on her. They tell her, if, you know, if you need to go to the hospital or something like that and you want one of us to go with you, let us know. And, you know, we'll come out, we'll meet you, we'll go with you. This is the thing that has been lost in medicine. And I could be way off base here. You probably know better than I do. But this is what I observe as an outside person right that 75 years ago when you were sick the doctor came to your house you had a personal relationship with the doctor the doctor knew you outside of being a patient right 
and he came to your house and he addressed what was wrong with you and he had legitimate concern for what was wrong with you. Nowadays, you're quote unquote, just a number, right? If you have an insurance assigned primary care provider, they don't even know who the fuck you are. Like I, I've witnessed them say to my wife, we don't know what's wrong with you, but clearly it's not bothering you anymore. So if it does call us, this is not a solution to the problem. This is a, we don't know, but you seem fine. So when you're not fine, just give us a call. When I'm not fine, I'm not a fucking doctor. What do you mean when I'm not fine? As opposed to the clinic where my wife went to the clinic and they said, all right, well, you know, you're feeling better, but we still want to run a barrage of tests on you. We still want you to come back next week. We're going to run your blood panel again. We want to compare what your blood looked like then to what it looks now to try to figure out the root cause of whatever the issue is. We need to get back to a, a type of medicine where the doctor cares about their patient. And I know those doctors exist, but those doctors need to strike out against the establishment. But the, the problem is, is, you know, greed. You have these doctors that are just pushed to prescribe and pushed to a large portion of it becomes a money grab. Um. Yeah, it's, it's really complicated. I'll make a shameless pitch for people who really want my take on it. In volume 14 of Citadel, I wrote a pretty big article about what I thought was wrong with medicine and what direction we needed to go to fix it. It was essentially agreeing with what you just said about making it more free market, but it's complicated. Like I can tell you in my practice, I prescribe a lot of drugs, but like nobody's pushing me to do it per se. But, you know, really people just need more time to talk to you and sort out actual problems but but it's, it's really complicated but you can uh, you can say as somebody who's involved in that industry that it is much easier for you um like morally and with your conscience to prescribe less and only the drugs that are needed for somebody you have a personal relationship with or who you're personally invested in than it is to have your plate overflowing with patients and just be like, ah, I think this is it. Here you go. Um, I don't know, man. Maybe People not you. Cause you're like, you know, a human. Yeah. I, I treat my friends similar. I mean, the difference is my friends talk to me all the time and they'll text me when they have problems and I probably spend more time explaining things, but I'm not sure I prescribe more or less, but the system's not really set up for us to understand each other, you know, um, which is a major part of the problem, I think. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. the humanity needs to be brought back into it. And but, it needs to be less of a transactional yeah, relationship. But, but the way to do that is to take away a lot of the regulatory moats. We spend a lot of time answering to that rather than caring. So, so have you been getting these air quality alerts in your area? I got one today. I don't know what it means. Apparently, there's like forest fires... 166 air quality index, whatever the fuck. There's like particles all over in the air. And when I started getting these, I was like, are we starting to worry about finding more ways to scare people and keep them inside? But I guess there's really stuff going on. I just don't know if we're talking about it more now or being more alerted to that to it now than we used to. It used to be just like, okay, there's a forest fire, it smells like firewood outside, but now it's like, oh no, everybody stay inside. I, I don't remember that being a thing before. I find it 
extremely ironic that the government in one breath can say air quality index 166 with a red dot and then at the same time be like spraying aluminum oxide into the atmosphere i don't know too much about that you, have you researched that much <sighs> too much unfortunately before, can, um, I, can I put a pause on that for one second? I want to go back to the medical thing real quick. And then I want to yeah. ask you about that. Speaking of pharmaceuticals, like, you know, everybody talks about pharmaceutical companies want to make money, of course, and everybody's pushing a certain treatment a couple of years ago. Very controversial, maybe not safe on a lot of different levels, right? But we are also coming out with some good pharmaceuticals. Like we're coming out with some newer drugs that are actually making a difference in improving care. That, that does happen. And of course, it's about making money. These drugs are being developed by the pharmaceutical companies, you know, out of a position of greed. Fine. But what's the, what's the alternative, though? The alternative is that they tax us more and they develop these things more centrally. I don't, I don't see the state coming no. up with anything new. <clears throat> I don't agree with that. I think the solution is to fix the checks and balance system. When you have things like people at the FDA that are approving medications for the market and then a year later they're working for Pfizer and making 5x what they were making for the government oh yeah there's a problem there not only that the FDA doesn't test anything they never test anything the pharmaceutical companies run their own tests and pass in the results from their own tests That's to true. the FDA that they quote unquote review and then either approve or deny. So mm -hmm. it is all the, what is supposed to be our check and balance mm -hmm. is just taking the pharmaceutical company's word that what they are submitting to them for paperwork is true. Mm. I think if you take away the recent vaccine thing, the scrutiny on them is actually pretty close, though, on that stuff. You're, you're I don't right. know about that. Look at OxyContin. The ones that I work in, they're pretty thorough, actually. There was but never any, not a single test or there was never any testing that showed that OxyContin wasn't habit forming. Ever. Yeah. Ever. But I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying, yeah, they publicize that. There's a New York Times bestseller about that, of course, and everybody thinks that's how the whole thing works. But a lot of drugs aren't like that. But no, but a lot of drugs don't make as much money as OxyContin did either. Well, they all make a shitload of money, though. I mean, I don't know. I mean, yes, to, to somebody like me and you, it's a shitload of money. But when you look at the money that came in from OxyContin and the money that came in from Pepsid. Yeah. We're not taught, we're not even in the same ballpark. So the, the FDA, like kind of picking winners and losers and, and doing a, maybe a terrible job in some cases and being more strict in other cases, it's very inconsistent. So the science becomes more of a free market if you can take all that out of the equation. There's also way too much money and too much freedom involved in pharmaceutical companies in this country. Fly to Europe, turn on the TV, watch it for an hour, and tell me how many, how many pharmaceutical commercials you see. 
They don't exist. Anywhere else in the world besides the United States, they don't exist. Is the problem that they have too much freedom or that other companies are are, uh, stopped from coming and competing with them on an even playing field? Which, which means that maybe there's not enough freedom. I think the check, what we are told is a check and balance should actually fun, function as such. Hmm. I think that if you have something like the FDA that is widely believed to test the safety and the efficacy of drugs before they make it to market, then it should probably do what it's positioned and made to look like it does. If the FDA was marketed as uh, an office where people drop off a bunch of paperwork and then they grade that paperwork like a high school teacher and then tell you you can go to market or not, Mm. uh, I think you'd hear a lot more blowback about it. I think a lot of people assume that drugs are developed by drug companies and then they drop that drug off to the FDA and the FDA takes it and runs all kinds of tests on it and then approves it for market. I think if you had a system yeah. much more like that, you would see much, it's never going to be perfect, but you would see a much better system than what we have now. Yeah, You wouldn't have uh, 150,000 people dying of fentanyl overdoses last year. One thing about medical misinformation is that I, I think that Twitter has actually gotten better lately. You used to see a lot of Twitter bias coming in and like fact checking with bad facts and i'm not seeing that as much have you noticed that that seems to have improved lately yeah yeah i mean in that way i was kind of wrong about elon because i didn't think that him coming in was going to make a positive difference but in that way i I was very impressed with what he did last week what was that what is a woman got put out on twitter i did okay i saw that he he had something to do with that well they put it out on Twitter. Twitter locked it down, put a hate label on it. You couldn't like it. You couldn't comment. You couldn't retweet. And 24 hours later, Elon shared it and said every parent should watch this. Which I think, was, regardless of what anybody thinks about that movie, I think it was a step or a lean in the right direction of at least him attempting to show that he cares about free speech. It's not perfect, but it's gotten better. I, I yeah, it's definitely gotten better. Yeah. So you were I telling me. It, mm-hmm? Hold on, I, I had a, I had a thought. I thought I smelled some oh, very yeah. of forest fires. No, about drugs. Fuck. I just. Oh, the problem. I think a big problem. I think is that the medical industry has developed to a point where we assume that there's always a drug that's the answer. There's always a pill that'll fix it. Hmm. I can't speak to any part of the medical industry except what I've personally witnessed, which is addiction and recovery. Um, and I can tell you right now as a former heroin user and drug all-around drug connoisseur that uh, the answer was never more drugs for me, ever. Ever. Even at my worst point, there was never a point where I walked in and they were going to give me a pill that I was going to take the right way. It just was never going to happen. It's kind of the nature of addiction, though, right? That's a hotly debated topic in recovery. They call it medically assisted recovery. You're just putting people on a different form of heroin to get them off heroin. You put them on state-subsidized heroin to come off a heroin. and It's not always the answer. Sometimes 
abstinence is the answer. Sometimes letting your body figure it out uh, is the answer. You know, it, it goes back. Me and my wife talk about it often with when the kids get sick. Parental instinct, unfortunately, because of the world we live in, is like my kid got sick. My kid's running a fever. Okay, he has a fever. I have to give him Tylenol because he has a fever. Uh, when in reality, there's a reason that your body runs a temperature. Your body runs a temperature because it's trying to kill off the infection. So you got to ride that line and watch their temperature and make sure it's obviously not getting to a dangerous point, but you also have to allow the body to fight for itself because you're suppressing the immune system at some point when you just keep suppressing that fever of the body trying to fight off something. So I don't think, I think we need to get further away from uh, the idea that there is a drug to fix it. And I think the way to do that is to disincentivize prescribing drugs and taking drugs and buying drugs. Yeah. And they did the opposite with recovery because a lot of those doctors ran those Suboxone clinics and it was like, it paid very well to prescribe Suboxone. It was, it was one of those things that doctors went and they took a special course and then they were allowed to have X number of Suboxone patients like in their practice. And, and it was and like it's a all bullshit subsidy for them. It's all bullshit, too. The way they market that is bullshit. Oh, we're going to put you on Suboxone because if you take Suboxone, you can't do heroin. It'll make you sick. Fuck you, you can't. Fuck you, you can't. Because when I was doing heroin, I had a buddy that was on Suboxone, and I used to trade him heroin for Suboxone so that when I ran out of heroin, I had Suboxone so I didn't get sick. And I've done Suboxones in the morning and heroin in the afternoon, and I was just fine. Yeah, but that aspect of recovery turned into like a money grab more than it should have probably. A huge money grab. Yeah. Huge. When I when you go into detox, the first thing they do is prescribe you drugs. First thing. They don't say, oh, yeah, well, you're, you're going to go through detox and it's going to be fucking awful. And, you know, you can stay here for a week or however long you got to stay here and we'll get you cleaned up and, you know, we'll help you get through it. None of that happens. You know what they do? They go, here's um, a couple of Valium because you probably have some anxiety and here's uh, some Tramadol to sleep. And uh, they just give you a plethora of drugs. Yeah, but this Col is very Here's Colonidine to bring down your, your blood pressure. You know how many yeah. people I've seen break into the nurse's station and take a handful of Colonidine and almost fucking die because they think they can get high from it? Well, then that's, that's one class of medicine. There, there's other disease classes where drugs are actually very good. I agree. I agree. I'm not saying all drugs are bad. I'm not saying all the whole medical industry is bad, but it is definitely one of the most corrupt industries in the country. Yeah. And again, in my, in my article, uh, the argument really is that it's corrupt because of all the regulatory moats that protect corrupt entities. And greed. Fiat greed. Mm. I think if you fix the money, you fix that too. Yeah. I kind of like greed. I think I'd like greed on an even playing field, which which regulation fights against. Yes, but but if if we leave development of new treatments, uh, I'll say treatments. It doesn't have to be drugs, but if we leave development to the state and take it out of pharmaceutical companies' hands, we're not going to get anything new. I agree. I think. A lot of modern pharmaceutical companies are just modern day snake oil salesmen. And I think we've seen that more and more in the last couple of years when you have things come out like the fact that um, quote unquote clinical depression 
has never been shown in any study to be linked to serotonin levels or dopamine levels in your brain. Uh, and yet for years and years, we talked about it like it was gospel that if we could affect the serotonin receptors in your brain, that mm. it would fix depression. So uh, there has to be a way, a, a, balance, a check and balance somewhere in there that stops somebody from being able to come to you and say, here's my magical snake oil and it's going to make you all better because mm. me and three of my buddies who are making money from it all say that it will. Yeah, no lie. Like out of all my patients and I, I don't even treat people for depression. I don't, I don't treat it, but out of all the patients I see the average number of antidepressants is probably like 1.5 per patient. Like it's, it's crazy. Yeah. I think it is. is. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's 1984 or it's brave new world. Yeah. I think a lot of the depression stems in some way from broken money. Fixing that probably fixes depression. I think thinking more, that you more can than take drugs. a pill to fix your problems is a problem. Yeah. I think you have it should a be the exception. Things. Yeah, I think the, exactly. I want to go Tom Cruise on this, but it should be the exception. Yeah, you should there should be a very small number of people who are on especially when you look at things like antidepressants like those are massively affecting brain chemistry that is a something we do not fully understand that we are fucking with yeah the same thing the same way you look at all the shit that's going on with fucking hormones and puberty blockers and all that crazy fucking shit that they're doing now mm. nobody knows what that shit looks like like 10 years down the road 15 years 20 years down the road nobody knows what that looks like all we've ever used it for is to castrate fucking sex offenders yeah we have no idea what that shit does in the long term because the only people we were ever giving it to we didn't care what it did in the long term do no harm is kind of just something that we say yes <laughs> yeah the problem is that stuff becomes like standard of care right somebody comes to you and says i'm depressed and then let's say let's say you talk to them you do a good job. You're trying your best to sort out the problems. And then you don't prescribe that standard of care drug. You actually become more liable. Um, and I say this is somebody that doesn't prescribe those drugs. Like, you know, I don't treat that, but. Which is wildly it. fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Like people are afraid to not do things that they even they feel might be harming people because they actually become more liable if they don't do them. Yeah. And then a patient will complain and say, well. He didn't prescribe anything for me. And then I went and hurt myself like that. That looks really bad in a legal sense. Yeah. I mean, I think the solution is to probably make mental asylums great again. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying. That's what Bitcoin Twitter is for. Just saying. Just saying. All right. But, so you want to tell me about chemtrails. What's your take on that? I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to label it like that. If we're, okay. if we're I, don't, really, I didn't know what to call it. No, if we're really going to talk about it, I don't want to label it that way because as soon as you say that, people tune out whatever is going to be said because it automatically sounds like crazy people talk. Okay. Um, but, I mean, it's proven that the government sprays chemicals into the atmosphere. This is not a debatable why, topic. Yeah, I, I don't. I haven't researched it much, but why do they say they do that and why do you think they do that? I mean, it's all weather manipulation. Is that what they say? I honestly don't know what they say, why they do it. I'll, I'll have to uh, I'll have to talk to Clancy Rogers, and yeah. then I'll get back to you about it. She okay, knows let's talk about it next about time. It I, yeah. I mean, if it is weather manipulation, I mean, a lot of us are saying, well, 
weather's not changing all that much. They're not doing a great job at it, despite them telling us that it is changing a lot. I don't think anything good can come from fucking with nature. Mm-hmm. My take on it is nature does a really good job at doing what it's doing. All right. Well, uh, the to... wildfires are a perfect example of that right now. Yeah. So, or not, I won't, I won't say right now. In the last 10, 15 years, wildfires are like wildfires, wildfires, all this crazy shit's happening. Wildfires are happening because of climate change. The reality is the shit they don't tell you is like wildfires happen in Mexico every fucking year. Every year. And they don't go out and fight it. They just let it go. They they just let it run. Yeah. The problem is exactly like you said about medicine. They put so many regulations in the way that they fucked up the things that we used to do. And in turn, you can't go into these quote unquote protected areas and take out the dead growth and all this shit that's laying on the ground. So when you put a, you know, when you put a match to it or when something happens in nature, a lightning strike happens in that area or whatever, it's just a tinderbox that's going to go up and it's going to burn. You know, there was a healthy logging industry in this country at one time. It was something that stopped things like that from happening. You know, everybody likes to look at it and think, oh, the worst, the same way they like to look at oil and gas and think the worst. But the reality is a lot of the time, the way we did things 75 years ago, 80 years ago, 100 years ago was better than the way that we do things now. We've regulated ourselves into such a corner that we're at the mercy of like all this crazy shit. You know, I was having that discussion with somebody today at work that like, you know, I run a well drilling business, right? And you have all these new machines that are getting built nowadays uh, that work way faster than we do. Uh, you know, they're big and they're shiny and they're amazing and they're powerful. But you're talking about a machine that burns 300 gallons of diesel fuel a day. They'll they'll drill a well in one day. They burn 300 gallons of diesel fuel. We burn two gallons of diesel fuel a day and we're there for 10 days. So in 10 days, I burn 20 gallons and you have the same amount of water as you have in one day with this big machine that has a nice sticker on the da- on the fender that says New Jersey Clean Idle Certified, right on the side of it. And yet here it is just doing what it does, right? Yeah. So in the same fashion, you had these guys that ran these big logging industries years ago, and I saw it when I lived up in Vermont, that, you know, everybody thinks about it like, oh, they're just going in and they're destroying wildlife and they're clear-cutting all these areas. The guys that knew what they were doing didn't do that shit because you're shooting yourself in the foot. You're killing your own business. They they realized at some point that there was a balance between greed and a sustainable business model. So is it better? Is it better to drill a well with two gallons in 10 days or one or 300 gallons in one day? What's what's better, you think? Obviously me, I'm biased. (laughs) I mean, I, I wonder even what's better for the environment, like how many gallons of gas for a crew for 10 days just to come out on site compared to one Well, day. I mean, my sites are all in town. I work six, I live six minutes from most of my job sites. And then you have these guys with the new machines that are driving down to where I am from the middle of New Hampshire. Right. Right. So. But you promised, you promised to talk to Clancy and come back to us about chemtrails. I want to hear about that. 
or whatever, whatever yeah, you want to call them. I'll, I'll, I'll be open to whatever you want to call them. I'll pick Glancy's brain this week about it. Uh, it's been a while since I've called her and talked to her. So, so this week the SEC went after the shitcoin casinos, and and that basically proves the use case of Bitcoin that much more. And then Bitcoin price dropped because people are dumb. Well, it went up since the announcement. Bitcoin price went up. Mm-hmm. When today? Mm, last twenty four, I think. Oh. Let me open a chart. Yeah. For those of you listening at home, Elsie's opening a chart right now. So Sunday at 7 p.m., we dumped $1,000 in value. Monday at 9 a.m., 11 a.m., we dumped another $1,000 in value. And then uh, today around 8 a.m., we jumped $2,000 in value. Oh really? So okay. So it's hovering about the same. Honey badge. I think, don't I think we stay fall. around the same for like two years. We're gonna see another. Uh, shout out to my boy Nate. We're gonna see uh, a run Nate up. Dog. Yeah, we're gonna see a run up to like forty. Come back down, settle around like thirty three. I think forty forty five will be like the blow off top. Uh, prior to the having, come back down around like thirty three thirty five and hang out there until the having. Very specific. Well, he's been, he's been stuffing it down my throat for the last fucking three months. Is he talking to you about the price as well? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nate's one on uh, on Twitter. He's been around for a while. What's his handle? I think that's his handle, I believe. He's going to be really uh, pissed when you get his handle wrong. It's really important. It's an important show. I can't find him on Twitter. I don't know what his handle is on Twitter anymore, but he's been around a while. Like right. I trust him. He sounds trustworthy. 2017, maybe. He's an OG. Yeah, nowadays. Yeah. Well, I think we've been. Uh, I think we've. No, dude, you, you you went away for 20 minutes on the phone with your dad. This has not been 90 minutes at all. <laughs> so it wasn't 20 minutes. It was like seven. So the Supreme Court ruled. Now, this is this week. The IRS can request bank information without notice to third parties. I think that means the bank customers and or the authorities who historically were needed to obtain search warrants. And now they ruled that they can bypass all that. That's another argument for self-custodying your own money. Yeah, I mean, they wrote it in in 2016 that the next bailout will be a bail-in bank needs to get bailed out they're just going to take the money out of their customers accounts and they'll write them ious so you, you can't get away until we talk about our tactical tip for the day what, what do you got i don't know if i have this, a, this is a recurring segment we agreed on this <laughs> we suck at these though because they never reoccur <laughs> all right i'll go you think okay but first last question is it is it possible that there'll be like a nuclear bomb dropped at some point no next question never Never. Well, if there was, if there was, it's not going to happen. Well, just in case, because that, that would be a case where like you really would need guns when things got out of control, right? Yeah. So if, if there ever was, supposedly they come with a EMP pulse that knocks out electronics, right? Yep. So are you keeping your guns in an electronic safe? Uh, no. Yeah. I would argue that it's smart to keep at least something. In an analog safe. I'm a key for, th safe for that guy. use case. I'm a key or a combination safe guy. 
See that that's good. That's good just in case. Yeah. But a lot of people have them in these big electronic safes and they'll have no access to their stuff. Yeah, but I mean if you buy an, a decent electronic safe, it comes with a backup key anyway. Because if it's a fire rated safe, you can't expect the digital keypad to survive the fire. Okay. So you need some non-electronic way to get at your your equipment. Yeah, I mean if all your guns are locked up, you're kind of a fucking retard anyway. Yeah. Somebody kicks your front door and you don't go, hang on, I just gotta type in my code. So I gave you that whole speech about the the night vision and you went and bought another pistol. I had to buy my wife an everyday carry. So yeah, I bought another pistol. All right. So it's good stuff, man. Anything I, else you got? Uh, oh yeah. On this note, let's end with this. What's your next buy? If you could buy a gun tomorrow, what would it be? I don't know. I haven't gotten one in a couple of years. You don't have one you're eyeing? No. I, I mean, there's a lot that I would want that I think are cool, but I don't think it really changed my ability at all at this point right now. So I don't I don't have anything like on my radar, I guess. Hmm. Um, I like I like the idea of a, you know, like a 2011, and there's a couple that they came out with that take Glock magazines. I think they they look kind of cool because then they'd be kind of compatible with a lot of stuff I've got already. Yeah. But I don't know. And, and again, remember, I live in New York. So a lot of cool things, like I'm not allowed to legally buy. Oh, God. I get it. I, I live in Rhode Island. I'm not allowed to have a pistol with more than 10 rounds. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I've got, I don't know what I need as far as what I can get legally right now. For um, me, if I had the money. Yeah. Either Marlin or Henry makes a lever action 4570. What's a 4570? Explain. Um, it's a very large um It's different than a 45 ACP. Yes. Yes, by a long shot. Okay, cuz 4570 is like It's a like bear 45 gun. and under 70 more. <laughs> 4570 is like a bear gun. But yeah, they Henry uh henry makes a beautiful lever action 45 set uh 70 right now and i think it was marlin yeah i don't like these articles they come out these articles where there's home invasions and somebody defends their home and the person that defends their home gets in all kinds of trouble for defending their home that's disturbing and i feel like that's a Very. growing sentiment in america that that's that's okay yeah, it's Marlin that makes it. Marlin makes a nineteen. Uh, Marlin makes an eighteen ninety five forty five seventy trapper with a threaded barrel, stainless steel finish, drilled and tapped receiver, and ghost ring sights for fifteen hundred bucks. Was that like a very large shotgun? No. He's showing me a picture. Okay. Yeah, lever action rifle. How about if I turn my brightness down? Is that better? Yes. Mm. Now you already have a bunch of rifles, but this is just like. A bigger it's just slug. a different caliber. Uh-huh. 4570 is like a wet dream of mine. I've always wanted one. How, I don't I mean, have one. How does that make you more tactical than like a 12-gauge shotgun? It's not about being more tactical. There, there comes to a certain point when you're buying guns that you have everything you need tactical-wise, and it, now you buy because something's different or it's more fun to shoot or it's rare. Uh, like 4570 ammo is relatively hard to come by. That's pretty expensive to shoot. That I want a 5.7 rock. 
those are pretty expensive to shoot. I want a 10 millimeter. Those are pretty expensive to shoot. You could buy like seven rocks are fucking so cool. Yeah. I like Glocks. I mean, like a, I loathe Glocks. And it's funny because my right there, my everyday carry is a G19 clone. Mm -hmm. That's nice. Um, I, eh. I mean, like if I wanted to get like a Gucci fantasy one, you can get, you could spend thousands of dollars to get one of those Tarant tactical, like John Wicks or something like that, but it doesn't really change the game at all. No, I'm, I mean, my favorite gun to carry, if I'm going to dress up to carry mm -hmm. is I have a Walters PPK that is, uh, it was left to me by my stepdad that died and it's, uh, it's like, you know, it's a classic James Bond gun. Yeah. But um, it's it was manufactured back when the Berlin Wall was still up, so it has West German stamps on it. So it's a really fucking neat conversation piece. But it's just a comfortable carry. It's a neat gun. has a cool story to it. I watch a lot of those YouTube videos comparing calibers and you know, 9 millimeter versus 45 or whatever, and I, I can't see it being, making that big of a difference, really. I, I know a lot of people would argue with that. I mean, with defensive ammo coming a long way, it probably doesn't matter. You probably just want something that you can handle the best. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about flight patterns and shit like that. Just stopping power. You know, they shoot the bullets through the, the gel. You're like, oh, this one made a bigger groove. But, I mean, they're both pretty big grooves, you know. <laughs> it's still a pretty sizable hole in my body. Yeah. I mean, yeah, everything I I tend to think in the fashion of, Anything that's going to be pulled out in self-defense is going to be sub-15 yards. If I punch 10 holes in you at 10 yards, does it really matter the size of the bullet that I put 10 holes in you with? Right. The best investment is probably just practice ammo and actually practicing. Yes. I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I mean, for home defense, I run a 12-gauge just because that's what makes sense to me. Yeah. In my opinion, it doesn't make sense to run a pistol as a as a home defense weapon. I'm in very, very close quarters. I, I don't want to worry about aiming. The movies look great. I'm a big critic of, like, watching movies and counting bullets as people are shooting and how often they're reloading and things like that. Uh, I'm not fun to watch any movie that has guns in it with. John Wick does a pretty good job with that, though, don't they? John Wick does a great job with that. Um, I'll put it to you like this, and we'll, we'll close on this note. My my stepdad that left me that Walters used to carry, used to his home defense gun and his gun that he carried when he went to, like, the bar was a Smith & Wesson 460. I don't know if you know what that is. Um, no. Smith & Wesson 460 is a five-shot revolver that fires rifle rounds. Oh. They're fucking massive. When a 357 just won't do? Yeah, when you need to punch a hole in a bear the size of a softball. But his take on that was always, in a closed environment, when that goes off, there is a very big difference between a 9mm going off in a closed room and a 460 going off in a closed room. It throws a fireball the size of a fucking basketball, and it sounds like a hand grenade going off. In a closed home defense situation, 
I really like the idea of something that makes a whole hell of a lot of noise because, you know, plink plink is nice, but kaboom yeah. is a lot fucking nicer in a closed area. There's a there's a legal consideration though. Like if you use a quote abnormal gun or abnormally powerful gun, that, yeah, that's why I run a 12 gauge and not a 460. Yeah, they they can actually use that against you. They'd be like, oh, you're trying to hurt somebody because most normal people use a nine millimeter or a 12 gauge, and yeah, so you got this crazy gun. This guy's crazy. Here's the home defense tip that that same gentleman also taught me. Uh, when you have a 12 gauge and you're running it for home defense. Your 12 gauge, your tube should go birdshot, buckshot, slug. That way, if you ever end up in court and your gun yeah. ends up in evidence, these are the th these are the way that your tube is arranged. So when they say, "Oh, it was excessive," blah, you whoa, 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 whoa. I had the first shot was clearly a warning shot. Nobody tries to kill somebody with birdshot. Yeah, but when you get to the point where you're drawing your gun. Like, it's really about stopping cars. Like, it's already a situation where... I don't know about the force. point of drawing a gun. If somebody kicks my front door in the middle of the night, I'm not stopping to ask them why they're there. Right. Or if they have a badge, for that matter. You kick my fucking door in without knocking and announcing who you are, expect fire. Right, but that goes against the birdshot thing. No, because the birdshot is still a warning shot. The argument is still there for firing a shot that is meant as a warning shot. You fire the birdshot and they still continue to proceed into the house... Now you're in a position where it's no longer a warning, and now you're trying to stop the harm that's about to come to you. All right. That's an interesting one. Interesting concept. Don't know if it would hold up in court, but... Yeah. It's hard to even know, because it seems like the rules keep changing. But... Yeah, well, you know, just shoot to kill. Dead men don't want... No, 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 don't no, no, no. You shoot, you shoot to stop. You shoot to stop. No, nah, dead men don't stop stand the on the witness, then. Huh? Dead men don't testify. You don't have he doesn't get the sympathy card when he's sitting up there with a bandage on him. Yeah, I know, I know, but I'm just not me. The the pro tip though is when you testify, you have to say I was shooting to stop the threat, period, right? Yes. That is exactly like, I was why I kill that guy 11, like you can't do that. That's exa exactly why I put eleven rounds through his skull, Your Honor, because I was shooting to stop. <laughs> like there was that video if you saw the guy in the diner a few months ago, the guy held up the whole diner and then the guy sitting at the diner pulled out his concealed and shot him. That was all fine, but then he did an execution shot at the end when the guy yeah. was down. It was a bit aggressive. That's the part that got him in trouble. Yeah, when you walk up and shoot him point blank in the head, it's... Yeah. <laughs> so it's important to know, I mean, kind of the rules, like what, what what's self-defense and what's an assassination is, is important in the eyes of the law. Yeah, I, I agree. But who can say what's what in the in the heat of the moment? Awesome, dude. Well, thank you for the chat. Yes, sir. Same time, same place again tomorrow. I mean tomorrow, next week. Yes, sir. All right, brother. It's been a pleasure as All always. Right.